to a Milwaukee Admirals podcast with Charlie Larson. I'm Aaron Sims, and Charlie, we're joined today by one of those guys that um, is, is a great story, and especially from that 05-06 team. We talk about these great stories, guys who uh, found a chance, made the most of a chance to move up from the ECHL to the American Hockey League, and uh, eventually ended up playing in the, in the National NHL. Hockey League. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, Aaron, we talk about that that era of Admirals hockey with uh, Darren Hadar and Simone Gamash and so on and so forth. Uh, and obviously those guys are very important, but guys like this guy is also extraordinarily important to those teams, to the success of those teams, to the depth of those, those teams. And that's why you win Calder Cups and you get to Calder Cup finals is because you bring in players like this who are on the upswing, if you will. One of the really great stretches in Admirals hockey in my time here. Um, he scored 20 goals his first season with the Admirals. We should introduce him. He's uh, he's former Admirals forward Chris Derno. Uh, Derns, it's great to talk to you. How's everything going? Thanks, Aaron. Charlie, appreciate you having me. Uh, everything is going great. Uh, I am up up in Canada in Calgary. I've been here for for some time and uh, look forward to chatting with you guys today. We we talk about the the start you had in Milwaukee, and I was just looking back. You you joined the team uh, December second. And it's a four games and five night stretch, which welcome to the club, boy. And, right. and and it goes from Chicago to Grand Rapids to Peoria to Des Moines in that yeah, stretch. Jesus. So we got some <laughs> bus riding there. Um, but you joined the club and you you stayed in the lineup. And I, and I was looking and I didn't realize this until I just looked at it. You played 57 games that year. You didn't score a goal in your first 14. Yeah. So in your last 43, you pumped in 20. Yeah. I mean, that's that's remarkable. But when you get a call and that was your first chance to play in the American Hockey League, mm-hmm. uh, what 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 was going through your mind at that time? Well, yeah, you know, lots there. Um, I, I look back, Aaron, and and at that time, that was my third year in pro hockey. And uh, I had spent the, the first three years in Atlanta, uh, in Gwinnett uh, yep. on an East Coast on East Coast League deals and really um, wasn't sure the direction I was going with my career. Um, coming out of college, I, you know, come from a pretty big college program who, who struggled a little bit at that time at Michigan Tech and, um, and, and really was finding my game as I stepped into pro hockey, which was uh, my game was much more suited for uh, than, than the college game. And so I spent the first year in, in the East Coast League and, and had a, had a, had a, good year it took some time for me to figure things out and I was actually initially cut from the team that I ended up sticking around with in Gwinnett really um, I never knew that I that's, didn't know that either that's something. yeah so, so I uh I spent the weekend I hadn't played a game I spent the weekend there um I I got let go and I was tr- calling teams to try to find a place in the East Coast League or Central League to play and and that weekend there was a few injuries and the coach called me back I don't know with his tail between his legs but he was a great guy Jeff Pyle and uh, yeah. asked me if I'd consider sticking around and I hummed and hawed and naturally I had nowhere else to go but um, <laughs> I I did uh, I did stick around and I came back that following weekend and and had a decent first year where you know I, I kind of put you know twenty goals twenty assists kind of thing which tend to be a a, a commonality in terms of consistency for me. Uh, up on the board that year we had a good run into playoffs um my second year in pro was the i believe was the lockout if it I was right correctly. correct yep yep and and and, and the admirals might have won it that year i can't remember off the top of my head 
Um, we we won it in 0304. 0304, sorry. Okay. Yeah. So the next year, though, year, we had an awesome team because of the lockout. That's right. And everybody had an awesome team. Um, right. There was a lot of really good players in the American League. And so that was my second year pro. I had a I had another pretty solid year with 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 uh, with Atlanta, with Gwinnett, and uh, really led me nowhere at that point. And, uh, and, and so heading into my third year, I had an American League tryout, which was good. The NHL was back. Um, but I didn't really get a sniff in the American League, uh, even in tryouts, and even in, in training camp, sorry. So I went back to the East Coast League for my third year and um, continued to improve. And I think at the time I got called up to Milwaukee, I, I put a pretty good stretch up in the East Coast League. Um, I don't know if I was leading the league in scoring, um, but I certainly was in the mix um, on the top of that leaderboard. And a couple I'm going to interrupt teams, here. I'm going to interrupt yeah. here. You had 12 goals and 22 points in 13 games. There you go. Jeez. Thanks, Aaron. And uh, that's okay. <laughs> so it was a great start. Then there you go. And that that was what it took for really an undrafted player at, at that point in time, and probably even today to get that opportunity. Um, and as it was happening, I was, I was in, uh, we were in Fort Myers, Florida, and I, I, I had a feeling because I, my numbers were strong. I, you know, teams were starting to look, it was around, you know, November, December, when injuries start to hit that I was starting to get some, some looks. And, uh, I had a few teams call and Milwaukee called and, um, it, it just seemed like it was a good opportunity with a good organization. As I said earlier, there was some familiarity with the, with the city and, and, and some friends in, in that area. Um, so I got, I got an opportunity to come up. And so what was going through my head, I guess is a long winded answer to your question here. No, um, it was a long winded question. So, yeah. um, stepping in, you know, I, I don't know, we step into Chicago. I, I, I remember vividly my first game and chatting with, with Claude and Claude Noel in the dressing room and walking into the dressing room in Chicago, um, which is not probably much. not not what you expect when you're jumping into an American league city in the right. dressing room. Um, but uh, I, I certainly remember that first game and, you know, the excitement of being in the American hockey league. I mean, that was, that was exciting for me at that point in time. And uh, to, to be part of Milwaukee, which was, you know, we, we were one of the top teams, I would call it in that conference in that division at that time. And the first 14 games, as you alluded to, I played some okay hockey, but I, I, I never scored. And, um, really, you know, played in auxiliary role at that point in time, supporting guys, third, fourth line. Um, but as the season went on and, you know, there was tons of injuries, if I recall that year in Nashville. Um, and we, I mean, obviously we had a very good team, but there was a lot of guys going up and down and sticking around up in Nashville. So I had an opportunity to play with great players and, and an opportunity to continue to play. And one thing led to another where I started playing a lot and I started producing uh, in those last, I think you said 40 games, it was kind of 20 goals. And I don't know if it was 20 assists. In the it last was 20 assists. Or, yeah. Well, I don't yeah. know if they were all in that last stretch, but yes, 20 assists. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so then, you know, it was, yeah, it was a great, it was exciting. And it was, uh, you know, it was great to be part of, you know, of that group and of that team with leadership um, all, all the way through, uh, from the coaches to the captains to to the trainers to, to to yourselves, I mean everyone in the organization. It was it was a welcoming and exciting team to an organization to be a part of at that time. Just just to point out, uh, there the group of players, and you mentioned the injuries, but um, you came up at the same time as a fellow named John Morlang, who I think was in Reading. Rich yeah. Peverly had been up for two weeks. 
Preston Mitzi was up from Rockford in the UHL and Marco Rosa was winding down his PTO, which he started the season on. So there's five, six guys there that are fairly new to the lineup, if not brand new to the lineup. So it was, yeah, it was uh, a, a lot of new faces. Tons of new faces. Um, lived in the hotel for a long time. <laughs> and, uh, and, and, and Pevs and I had, had kind of crossed paths, had some common friends and played against each other. Played against closely. each other, certainly. Probably in yeah. college too, I would suspect, huh? Yeah, I, you know what? I, I can't say, Charlie. He was out east. I don't know if we would have played him in if college. If you would have gone out east there. at all? Yeah. But there was a whole bunch of guys that got called up. And uh, obviously, certainly, Pevs distinguished himself pretty quickly and, uh, and, and deservedly so. He was fantastic. And, but he was in a similar situation where he had to grind right. his way grind his way through and, and earned everything he got for sure. Is and it he, Ray he, Shiro? Was it Ray Shiro who calls in that situation? Um, to your agent and or or is whoever. It yeah, I or? Who's, if it was, I, I, I can't say with certainty it's uh, a few years ago, Aaron, but yes, uh, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I actually want to go back to something you said before Derns about how, after you get cut from Gwinnett, you said, I'm starting to call around to teams. Were you actually the one that was calling or was it your agent? Did you have an agent at the time? Uh, no, I didn't. I didn't. So no, I it was literally it. you. You're picking up the phone and calling, you know, whoever. Yeah, uh, effectively. I spent uh, I spent two days trying to call every coach and GM in the East Coast League. and the uh, uh, Like Carl Taylor in Reading, for instance, yeah. who's our current coach. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. And, and I, I don't know if it was the, I can't remember if it was United League or Central League at the time, but just working my way through those different organizations. And uh, yeah. um, I, I had some opportunities to go different places. I just, you know. It was a tough point in time because, you know, at that point you're 21, 22 years old and the reality starts to set in that first, right. this is a business. And second, I'm not getting any younger. You got to find something to do and, and grow up pretty quick. And uh, so I was hungry, you know, really from the get go to kind of work my way through. Yeah. So do you think, and this is hypothetical, but I mean, were you thinking that third year that, I mean, you started off great, as we said, and that's when you get your call up to Milwaukee and, and earn your spot. But were you thinking maybe that was about it? You're going to be about you're going to be in the 25 year old range, and maybe this yeah. is it. Yeah, yeah, close. I mean, I, I I remember calling my my girlfriend or wife now at the time, but uh, um, before get I was in Peoria for camp, and I had a great camp, and again right away first chance I was sent down um, to wherever it would happen to be the East Coast League or Gwinnett, um, and I contemplated going doing a graduate degree an MBA over in uh, in the UK at that time. Uh, wow. with, with a, with a different team. And, you know, we chatted and had some hard discussions and decided to, you know, give it one more kick over in North America and, uh, and, you know, had a, obviously a great start and kind of the rest kind of rolled into place from there. I, I'd, I'd like to actually go back before college, like you yeah. right now, when you played for the Admirals and you played pro and you made it to the NHL, like you're the prototypical power forward, right? Like you are, you're six, five, probably, I don't know what you played at two twenty five, two thirty. 30 right on the walls, guy. wind draws. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. So get in front of the net or, or get to the net. Yeah. Uh, so did, were you a late bloomer? Like, and you went to Michigan tech, a, a very, you know, a proud historic uh, college, yeah. uh, college uh, program. So were you a late bloomer? Did you start playing late? Uh, uh, take no, I mean, that. yeah, no, I, 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 uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I kind of look at myself as a late bloomer, but the reality was I played top tier hockey growing up and I played a top junior program in Toronto. Um, you know, my skating was always a question. I worked on it. My strength was something that, you know, being 
you know, being six, four, trying to put on weight was difficult. It was and tough. Yeah. So, so spending time in college and, and at that point, you know, I had had some opportunities to actually play professional lacrosse as well. And I didn't know really where to go and was kind of back and forth, but um, had, had, you know, I had a couple good years in college that were okay, but just never really jumped off the page. Um, so it was, it was often a, a grind right from, from that point in time. So coming out, I mean, there's a lot of good college players and, you, you know, I think my, as I said to you before, my game was much more suited towards pro hockey. And I, you know, I learned to do a bunch of different things, whether it was face-offs or kill penalties or work on the power play or um, in front of the net um, just to survive. And, you know, it, it served me well years later uh, in pro because I was very good on face-offs. I took a ton wow. of face-offs uh, in Milwaukee uh, in both years Um mostly playing the wing, but I, I would take a ton of face-offs. And uh, so just versatility to my game allowed me continue to progress uh, because at certain points you can't get to the next level, whether it's the East coast or the American league, if you're undrafted and you're not putting up points, you have right. to be able to do that. Although you say, especially at that point, and yeah. especially at that point now, but, now there's people are much smarter, I think. And, and yeah, there's know, more, the contacts more are much better. And yeah. Yeah. But you say like, hey, that's a way to get on the ice late in a game, potentially as a wing who can win draws, right? Like a coach, how often do we see now a coach will send out two centers at the end yeah. of the game and a guy, you know, bolts to the bench as soon as the uh, as the draw is done. But that gives the confidence, the coach confidence in you. And you probably get the confidence that, hey, I'm playing final five minutes of the game in, in tight games. Yeah. And I, and I realized that pretty quick was a great opportunity for me to play in all situations and um, and so I, I spent a lot of time on face-offs and, and making sure I could, you know, find ways to get on the ice. Um, that was certainly something that, you know, not everybody did. And there was, you know, only really two guys on most teams that were real good and real kind of go-to guys on face-offs. And if you were one of them and you could do a few things, then you, you found yourself a place. And, you know, it's interesting, you know, I, I look back and, and I would have loved to have some analytics back in the day, which naturally right. didn't exist. And I, yeah. and truthfully, I, I don't, I don't pay much attention to the analytics side of hockey at this point in time, but I know, you know, I, all the NHL teams, I'm sure the American league teams have some sort of analytics that they look at, but I always felt that I was, you know, fairly strong in, in terms of defensively, but also puck possession, where we played, how we, you know, how, how, how the game was tilted when I was on the ice and often felt that, you know, I, I did do a lot of those things that, analytics probably would have looked fondly at yeah i know i i agree with that i i mean look it, it kept you around your first year in milwaukee and and then some right i i'm curious and this might be a silly question but when i was a kid john elway was playing at stanford and spent his summers playing minor league baseball yeah. uh russell wilson the quarterback for the seahawks did the same thing he played some minor league baseball was that ever an option for you to be honest, uh, an athlete at Michigan Tech and then maybe in play lacrosse in the summer or whenever the season was? Yeah, I did. I played all the way probably until my second or third year university. I played a little bit in the senior level uh, in Ontario, which was equivalent of the National Lacrosse League effectively in the summer. So you, you, would you, were you getting paid? And I mean, it was, it was a professional team, right? Or no? At, at that point, it was just kind of coming and going. And my focus was hockey. Um, okay. My a lot of my peers that I played with, my brother played professionally for years in lacrosse, but 
but there was in the process very limited in scope in terms of where you're going to go. Right. Um, it's, it's a, it's a, a part-time job. So, um, you know, I spent, you know, now, and I, I, you know, with coaching and I think we talked a little bit just prior to us getting on here, but, and, and I've ever heard a lot of coaching clinics, but there's a lot of focus now with kids. And I see it firsthand living in a Canadian city, as you can probably imagine the parents with the tunnel vision with hockey. And it's, uh, it's 12 months a year for a lot of these kids at, you know, six, eight, 10 years old. And, um, you hear a lot of management, um, people, um, organizations, leaders in, in sports talk about the importance of multi-athletes and the importance of yeah, um, yeah. getting strength in different areas. And, you know, it benefited me in a lot of different ways, lacrosse to hockey and whatever it is, whether it's, it's baseball to football or lacrosse to hockey or baseball to hockey, there's certainly, uh, an advantage to having a break, um, teaching your body some different things and, and, and learning along the way in, uh, in different areas. Yeah. I, yeah, I want to, yeah, yeah. I, I just want to ask you about co college real quick and your senior year, you guys didn't have a ton of success. You had some <laughs> good players on that team though. Like if, when you look at the roster, you got, got a lot of guys who played pro Colin Murphy, uh, Brett Engelhart, who's a Wisconsin, uh, uh native, uh, yeah. Chris Connor, but the freshman that year probably didn't look like a freshman. was John Scott who got yeah. a, who came into some fame a, a number of years ago in the NHL at the all-star game. What, what kind of guy was John Scott when he's playing in college? And when you, when you see this guy as the first time as a, when you're a senior, he's a freshman. Are you like, what the hell are you? The basketball, the basketball facility. And, and what is, and what is he? Is he like six, eight, one thirty? I mean, what, <laughs> when he comes yeah. in, what is he? No, John, John, and I don't, I, I think John, if I'm correct, and maybe, you know, he could, you've seen interviews with him, but I think he actually lied about his height to make himself smaller than he actually, whatever really? he ended up, most guys would naturally do the opposite, but so yeah. John came, John came in, he was a, a big guy for sure, um, but he, he put on strength and had strength instantaneously, um, he was big, he was strong, skating was always an issue, but at the same time, um, he was a solid, relied upon defenseman and learning his way at that point in time. I mean, um, didn't fight. He, he didn't fight. I mean, you can't fight. Maybe he you can't fight in college. Yeah. 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 So I bumped into him in pro years later. And um, and I think he he learned a lot while playing in Houston, if I if I right. remember correctly, right. in the Myers yep. and um, uh, probably Derek Bugard, if I if, if I also remember it was something probably showed him the way quite a bit and uh and john was uh very well spoken very well educated uh funny guy is i shouldn't say was is um and uh and, and learned how to fight and he learned how to take advantage of his size and strength and he became probably one of the five ten toughest guys in the nhl for an extended yeah. period of time and uh and the whole story with him at the all-star game was was amazing. And, I bet you. Uh, I bet there were some great group chats uh, from the from the college boys uh, when that was going on. Yeah, John uh, and John's a great personality, and, and and guys loved him. And you could yeah. see you could see that with I think it was I can't remember. I think it was Brent Burns who, who was with him. I think or had been with him previously, probably in in, in Minnesota. Minnesota I think yeah. Yeah. connection, but kind of uh, initiated lifting him up and carrying him off the ice almost, but. Um, <laughs> Guy, guys universally loved John. He was uh, 
he is a, a, a great character and was a, was a great player uh, for, his, for his time in his era. Yeah. Let, let, let's move up. When you get to Milwaukee, and I mentioned it was four games in five days to start your Admiral's career. How quickly can, can you gel? How quickly do you feel welcome into a room like that? Yeah, that's a good question, Aaron. I think it ties back to that comment you made earlier about four call-ups or five call-ups in, in a week or two weeks. Yeah. So there, there was an instantaneous bond um, looking back at it with guys Guys like myself, Rich Peverly, um, um, and 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 a lot of the guys that that you know maybe Scott May or, or guys that were kind of Marco Rosa. Marco Rosa and I actually I don't know if we played junior together or my brother, but we kind of crossed the same organization, same area of town. Um, so we all kind of knew each other, and we're all living in the hotel. And um, you know, Milwaukee, Milwaukee, the the city of Milwaukee was. I mean, it was a great place to, to play in terms of American Hockey League cities. And uh, um, I actually had an old teammate uh, tell a story recently on Spit and Chicklets, which you guys yeah. might have, might have, might have. I was going to ask, ask you about, about that. Charlie yeah, wanted absolutely. to ask you about that. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I mean, it was a great place to, to hang out and play and to be kind of young professionals, if you will. And just a city that, that you know, that, that bond was created pretty quick and, you know, all the guys, you know, from top to bottom, whether it was Hadar or Klassen or, you know, you, you look down down the list, whether it was, you know, guys like, you know, Greg Zanin or TJ Reynolds. I mean, everyone did everything together and you felt it was a very welcoming environment. And, you know, Claude certainly didn't encourage us going out every night and doing all that. And not to say that we did. I mean, we took it very seriously for sure, but we had fun and it was a team that, that spent a, a ton of time together on and off the ice we all lived in the same building we went to practice together we drove together everything we did we did as a group at that point in time and uh it was very easy and very quick to, to have that gel and that bond how much did you uh, how tired how quickly did you become tired of greg zanon talking <laughs> greg greg what well, was greg up? greg was was he up at all that year i'm trying to remember not, the- uh, it would have been briefly if he was at all yeah, yeah not much yeah. if at all greg was uh and, and there were, you know, there were a lot of personalities on that team. I don't think. Oh, yeah. Uh, Bell Toots comes in. Oh, yeah. Now. Jordan Toots, Toots, Scotty Upshaw uh, provided a lot of uh, a lot of work for me. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We had we had a yeah. I mean, there was a lot of big voices in that room. Um, and, and Greg was certainly one of those. Greg was he was no nonsense um, on the ice, on the ice in, the, yeah. in the dressing room and uh, uh, an excellent captain leader. Um, excellent player and had a, also had a, I mean, you look at the team, I mean, he, he had a fantastic career and uh, played a long time and was very successful. Um, there were a lot of very successful, successful players on that team and good players that came through at that time. I got to ask real quick, Charlie, sorry to interrupt, but sorry. like, I always thought like they, they added Rick Barry early in the season. And I always thought yeah. he was like just this great glue guy, right? Maybe he'd had yeah. a couple hundred games in the NHL by that point. I just I thought he was Stanley a, Cup. a yep. great ad. He was, he was, and I should have mentioned him a second ago, but I mean, there was too many guys to mention. I mean, Rick was, Rick was phenomenal. Um, and, and Rick and I were, were friends for, for many years thereafter and, and still would be if we bumped into each other today. Um, but he was, yeah, he was certainly one of those guys. I mean, he, at that time, I don't, I mean, Rick was probably into his thirties at that point. I mean, 
to us being all 22, he seemed old, but he, he really wasn't old now looking back. Right, right. Um, but he had done a lot and accomplished a lot and was a was a very big part of that team. Uh, and and certainly uh, one of those glue guys in the room. Right. But it, it wasn't it wasn't one guy, though. Like that was the thing with that. Everyone was there was everyone brought different elements. I mean, you know, you look from from top to bottom, you know, from our 20th forward and our, you know, both our goalies or coaches. I mean, everybody, I mean, you guys were part of it. Everybody well, felt like they were part of it. And how much of that was Claude, right? Like Claude, Claude wanted to turn the room over to the players. And I, I would guess yeah. that gives the players the confidence to be themselves. Yeah. Claude was great. Claude was a fantastic coach and motivator and teacher, um, which I think might've been his background in education as well, but um, an excellent communicator, um, probably the, the best coach. I'm trying to think of others, but he was he was right at the top of that list. Um, you know, there was times where you know he'd be a lot of fun and uh, and he'd have a good laugh, and other times where you know he'd he bring wasn't, you right well, back wasn't to so reality. much fun. Yeah, he'd a, he'd ask what? you how you thought you did yeah, tonight. Right, right, right. How, to, <laughs> how was your how, game tonight? How was your game tonight, Derns? Yeah, and then and no. then the one the one eyebrow goes up, right? <laughs> yeah. There's no but, good way to answer. Yeah, no, but he was fair though, Charlie, and he was honest, and 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 that's why guys respected him. And you know, if he called you out, he called you out for a reason. And he yeah. he wasn't just doing it just just to be a bully. He was doing it to, to make you a better player. And you know, there's a lot of lessons and, and things I learned from from uh, from 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 the coaching staff, especially Claude at that point, that carried with me all, all the way through my pro career. Do you, do you remember what he named, that he named, you know, guys have their names on their sticks, obviously. Do you know, do you remember what he put on his stick? Flamethrower. That's, that's right. He that's put right. it on his stick. Yeah, yeah. I don't know, I don't know if, you know, I don't know if Claude could shoot the puck, if I remember correctly, but. Uh. Yeah, but he, he, he never played with those types of sticks, that's for sure. No, yeah, yeah. No, 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 I do remember that. I do so remember that. The, the season goes on. You start establishing yourself. You get, as we said, the offense. And Zach Stortini gets added from Iowa. And now this is a team that's going into the playoffs uh, as the best team in the Western. Well, the second best team, actually, behind Grand Rapids in the Western yeah. Conference. Um, but now you got to play this first round playoff series against Iowa. Uh, yeah. And you get to a game seven where you have a third string goalie coming in. You remember, how much do you remember of game seven in Milwaukee against Iowa? Yeah. Well, I, I, I certainly remember that because I think we were up three, one in that series. Yep. Um, and then, and, and then, and then Finner got hurt yeah. uh, in game five. Yeah. Uh, and Pekka was up in Nashville. Pekka was up in Nashville. Yep. Yeah. And so well, if I remember though, and I'm trying to, but I think, Upshaw and Tutu came back for game seven, but Pekka didn't. Just, just Toots. Just no, Toots came back for game seven, yeah. That's right, okay. But even um, with the small crowd, do you remember the the the, the buzz when they saw that Tutu was back? Yeah, I do. Um, and, and if I remember, I mean, it was a tight game. I, I don't know if we won 2-1 or 3-1, um, but there, I don't, maybe you can correct me, but there wasn't a ton of breathing room in game seven. It was a tight game and it was a tight series. Uh, Iowa was it was a good team and it was yeah. uh, and they pushed us. They pushed us hard and um, that 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 was a big series, a big hump for us to get over. And from there, getting a few bodies back and getting healthy is really when we started getting some steam. Well, and then yeah. you steamrolled two really good teams. Two really Houston, really good teams. Sweep Houston and just I mean just rushed Josh Harding out of there, and then Grand Rapids had. 
Don McLean, who scored 50 something. And I mean, they were, they were a juggernaut and you pushed Jim, them out in four straight. I mean, that, yeah. it was really an, a remarkable stretch. Yeah. Both those teams. And, um, you know, that was, uh, you know, that was, those were great. Those were great series for us and both series, I guess, I guess both series, we probably started on the road. Um, if I remember, and we, we went up obviously right away coming home with, with opportunities, to close, um, I can't remember if we went two, three, two back then. It probably did because of the travel. Sure, yeah, um, for sure it did. And uh, so, I mean, we just picked up steam at, at those playoffs, and uh, and you know, winning the second round sweep, winning the third round sweep, um, it was uh, it was a lot of fun. And and then on a side note, we had a lot of off time and a lot of yeah, free time. A lot of off time. Uh, Rich, Rich Beverly says that was the mo- uh, probably besides winning the Stanley Cup, that was the most fun he's ever had playing hockey. <laughs> and it wasn't the hockey. I mean, obviously the hockey was awesome, but it was the off ice stuff that he just was loving, right? Like it was like you, to your point, all young guys living together. And now it's fun. May. Yeah. Now yeah, it's yeah. May and June and, nice yeah. out and everything like that. Yeah. Yeah. There wasn't a shortage of stuff to do in Milwaukee in May and June and some of the festivals and the families coming around. And, uh, it was, uh, yeah, we, you know, I talked to Pebs recently, actually. Uh, he's doing some work, I think still in Dallas, if I remember right. correctly. And, right. Um, yeah, we, we had some good chats and told some good stories. Him and I we were chatting the other day or a couple, couple months ago now, but, uh, um, yeah, we had a blast. And like I said, I mean, we all, we all, we spent so much time together and, uh, you know, as you guys would know, Milwaukee in May and June is, you know, it's, it's beautiful down there that time of year. And there's just, there was tons to do and we were rolling. We had everybody there. We had lots of bodies. It was, uh, yeah, it was a good time. That, that final series against, uh, Hershey, we go up two to one uh, in game three in Hershey. And then we have a long break, like five or six days before game four. Uh, and then from, but then from there on out, it was just too much of a struggle. Was and it that, was even a week before the series started. Yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah. So was that, that little break, did that just kill the momentum? And, and obviously Hershey was a great team, but uh, no chance to really keep the momentum going from the big game three win. Is that sort of what happened in your, in your mind? Yeah, I, I mean, there were, it was two, I guess we were up 2-1 in the series. Is that right, Charlie? Yeah, it was, and, and, and the games that we've lost, um, we, 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 it just seemed that we came out flat. We came out flat in, in, in game four, five, six. I mean, there was, there was early deficits of two, three, four goals for us. Right. And, uh, and we didn't play our best and, uh, you know, top to bottom, we didn't play our best. We were, we were trailing, we were, we were fighting from behind most of those games. And, uh, um, you know, I, I you know, give them credit, <clears throat> excuse me, give them credit. They were, I mean, you look at their lineup, they were, oh, they were no, no slouch over there. Those were, yeah. those were two pretty good teams that ended up. If you, I mean, you look at those rosters, most of those guys played in the NHL on both those teams in, in some capacity over the next five years, I would suggest. So, yeah, yeah I mean, I, I remember those, you know, you, those were great series. Um, Her- Hershey was a great team to play in the final and their building was, was phenomenal. Um, Milwaukee was phenomenal. And, you know, we, uh, yeah, it was tough. It was a tough loss, you know, obviously in game six and, you know, it was late into June when we, when we lost, but it was, yeah. uh, it was, it was a fantastic experience. And, uh, you know, obviously you would have liked to have gotten over the hump and you, you look back now and, you know, that was as, as close as I got to winning in pro hockey. 
you know, yeah. the, you, the, the championship is so at this level, whether to play for a championship is certainly special, but the time is so limited to celebrate or to drown your sorrows because everybody's got to get out of their apartment as soon as possible. And then in many cases, free agency starts in eight days. In so you mean, weeks, yeah, the yeah. whole, the whole team is going to be completely spread out all across and, and you were in that situation. You're a free agent now, and now you're finally getting an NHL contract. Yeah, so we, I mean, yeah, within two days, everyone was gone. I mean, it's just one of those things as you get into June. And, and one of the other guys, I don't know if you remember, Sean McCasin was a guy who came up yes. in the yeah. playoffs. He, he ended up having to post, but he lives in Calgary now, and then I see him all the time. But uh, he was a guy who was in the hotel and kind of, came on at the very end of the year, but yep. he ended up having to postpone his wedding because playoffs went so long. And- <laughs> That's right. I remember that. I, he, uh, I, now that you mentioned that, I remember. Holy cow. Yeah, and so he had to, he, I mean, he, he only played two regular season games. As I look at the stats here, but 14 playoff games. So, yeah. you know, he, he was certainly in a position. He wasn't going to just leave Milwaukee at this, with this opportunity. And, uh, and, and he ended up having to cancel his wedding and postpone it two, three months. So, uh, so they could finish, we could finish the season, but yeah, everyone left and, uh, and, and then free agency hits. And as, as I often joked, I mean, I was an unrestricted free agent for, for 10 straight years in pro hockey. Um, but, uh, um, yeah, after that, I mean, I, I got, I think that was after that was my first opportunity to get a, an NHL training camp. And I went to Chicago on a, on a tryout. That was it. I didn't have a contract. Oh, you did No, I went to, I went to Chicago and uh, I got, I had an opportunity to go on a tryout. And again, I had a, I had a solid camp and um, Colin Fraser and I were, I think we were the last two cuts at Blackhawks camp um, in, in 06, 07. Um, and then we, uh, and they signed me to a contract after camp or as camp was going, I can't remember. So the two of us got sent down and, you know, in hindsight, Chicago was a very good organization and subsequently won the Stanley Cup shortly thereafter. But uh, um, I didn't, you know, I had a concussion early in that season and never really got my footing. And then, uh, you know, was traded to to Anaheim in a, right. in a multiplayer deal. And then it just, it, it was a tough year, you know, moving around a few times, getting a concussion, a pretty bad concussion, trying to play through it a little bit, which obviously wasn't an intelligent Not, not ideal, yeah. And then, you know, getting an opportunity to come back to Milwaukee, I guess, is what you were leading into yes. uh, there. Yeah, and, and when you come back and you put up the numbers at the kind of the same pace, like a goal yeah. every other game. Yeah, and, you know, I was, you know, it just, it felt it felt comfortable being in Milwaukee. Aaron, I, you know, in hindsight, should have just stayed and, you know, taken a, a, an American League deal or something. I was going to say, was that, opportunity, was that opportunity there? Probably on the American League side, yeah. yeah. And I want I wanted to go to an NHL camp and keep of progressing. Course. So, so it it uh, I mean coming back it was great and kind of fit right back in. There was a lot of familiar faces, um, and uh, so stepping back into that and getting to play a ton again. And uh, I think Pebs had, maybe had gone up or come back down a few times. And O'Reilly was there. Brookbank was having a solid year. Um, but a lot of familiar faces. It was just another good opportunity. So I put up some decent numbers there. And uh, I think we lost to Chicago, if I remember. In right the in the first round, yeah. Yeah, I got we might have been swept by Chicago. By Chicago. Yeah. Um, they were a you know, juggernaut. We were, I mean. They were good. They were good. We weren't deep enough. We'd gone through. I mean, you look at the guys that we had lost. It was just 
we weren't the same same group that next year for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You go you yeah. go on uh, and the next year you basically you probably have your best statistical best statistical season with uh, with San Antonio. So that they're they're affiliated with Florida at the time, right? Um, San Antonio was affiliated with Phoenix at, at Phoenix that time. at the time. Okay. Yeah. So, so you're on an NHL deal going there, I presume then, right? No, that again, another was, AHL uh, deal, huh? Another AHL deal. So Brad tree living, um, was the general manager there and the assistant general manager and happens to be the flames GM now, um, which I do bump into him from time to time and Make sure I, I I let it be known that I, I should have been on an NHL deal I have been called <laughs> up that year. But uh, um, so he he gave me an opportunity to come in again on a on a tryout and uh, um, I signed an American League deal um, and was you know I was pushing as that season went on I, I was I was having a good year in 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 San Antonio again a good group a very good group and uh, we had an excellent team there and I was. I was kind of one of the main guys for sure on that group. And, but we were deep, like we were three or four lines deep. And, um, um, it was, it was a team that was, you know, again, we lost in the in game seven of the first round to Toronto. And if we'd won that series, we easily could have gone to, you know, a conference final or something along those lines. Um, but we, you know, it was a tough, we lost game seven. Um, I had a great year, um, and, and parlayed that from, from San Antonio, um, that was when I started stepping into, into Colorado system. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and there, and that, and that was an NHL. That was and a there, absolutely. NHL deal. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Cause you make your NHL debut in for, you play a couple games for Colorado that next year. So we, I always like to ask guys talk about how, like when you got called up, like what were the circumstances? How did you find out? Uh, were your folks able to get to the, uh, to the, get to the game? Cause nowadays, uh, you know, we heard this from our players that in your contract, the, the you most teams will pay for your parents to fly in for your first NHL game. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I had that in my contract. I don't oh, think my probably not. Huh? <laughs> no, no. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I had it again. It was a, it was a solid year. I mean, you can see if you look at the numbers. I mean, it's pretty consistent in terms of what I would do for for production most years. And, and that year in Lake Erie was really right on par. And I was, uh, you know, I was certainly one of the the go-to guys that year in Lake Erie. And I think, I think when I played my first game against Calgary, um, I'd actually been called up once, if not twice, twice before and, and not played and sat back down. Um, And so the third time I got called up, I did, or second or third, I can't remember, ended up playing. So um, yeah, I mean, it was, uh, I mean, that was Colorado was going through a transition certainly at that point um, and really stockpiling the cupboard. Um, I had a, I had a good year there. My, my first year in Lake Erie and got a chance to play in Colorado and then went back for a second year. Um, and my second year, kind of like my, my last year in the East coast league, my second year, um, to get that kind of that full NHL call up, uh, I was, I was having a fantastic year in the American league, um, in, in Lake Erie for my second year. Um, and again, I don't know if I was leading the American league in scoring at that point, but in, in that mix for sure. And, and got an opportunity um, with Colorado and Colorado had a rash of injuries and um, kind of found a, a niche there and playing on the fourth line. And uh, you know, with, with Matt Hendricks and Cody McLeod and Darcy Tucker and, you know, third, third line, fourth line kind of thing. And um, 
it was, uh, you know, it was challenging for sure at that level. Um, I, I didn't play a ton. I always wished I, I could have had a little more opportunity to play even 10 minutes a night, which, you know, most nights it was six, seven minutes. And yeah. um, that's, it's difficult to have an impact um, at, at that level. And I certainly wasn't, you know, I wasn't going out fighting, you know, heavyweights on the fourth line and the Derek Bugards of the world at, at that point. Or John Scott for that matter, right? <laughs> no, no. And, and so it was, it was, it was difficult to do what I had done at, at lower levels when you, you, you're just, you're not playing much at, at that level. So it was, it was fantastic. Uh, got, got to play a, a whole bunch of games and, and it, it was an amazing experience. I mean, guys that were stepping into Colorado at that time were like, were Matt Duchesne, uh, Ryan O'Reilly, right. um, who, who naturally we, we knew Cal quite well, you know, but right. those two were, were special right off the get-go. And then you had some other guys there that were, um, Craig Anderson was, was, was our goalie, him and Peter Budai. And you had, um, you had Adam Foot, and uh, I mean, you had John Michael Lyles. You had you had some Paul Stastny. You had some very established, excellent players that had been and done a lot in the NHL and pro hockey and in international hockey. It was uh, it, it was certainly a, a highlight of my career having that opportunity. Take take us through your first NHL goal. Uh, <laughs> um, it was right after Christmas, Charlie. Um, and uh, against Dallas, um, I'd like to say it was uh, it was uh, it, it was uh, end to end kind of rush, but it was probably in typical fashion how I scored most of my goals. Um, this one was was actually from behind the net, so I got a pass from I don't, it was Tucker or 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 uh, Matt Hendricks at the time, and went to pass to the other one out front, and it hit a skate and went in the net from behind. <laughs> and, um, it was, I mean, I, again, I played a few games at that point. I probably played 15 games. I'm guessing at that point, maybe 20 before I scored, maybe, well, maybe it was 15 games. Um, and, uh, so that was pretty special and, you know, it's your phone blows up. And I think, you know, at that time, hockey night in Canada, it might've been a Saturday night even, and Don Cherry was probably showing the, the highlights. So it was, uh, yeah, it was, it was pretty special at that, that point in time. You know what? They say in baseball that on paper, they all look like line drives. So yeah. you, 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 can, you can stay with that. You can stay with yeah. that. Uh, we're, we're running out of time here. Um, how, how difficult was it to make the move to finish your career in Italy? And then how difficult was it to say that You're you done. are done after that season? Um. Yeah, it was difficult. I think any athlete that goes through that, I mean, there's challenges for sure. I, I, uh, you know, looking back, I, I, I bookended my careers with lockouts on both ends of, of the start and finish of my career. Um, yeah. so 12 in 12, 13 was the, was the lockout again. And, uh, um, I had opportunities to go back to the American league that year and, 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 and kind of hesitated. I, I, I'd suffered another concussion in Charlotte the year before and, was, was struggling, was struggling a little bit. Um, so when I went over to, to Europe, you know, it was, it was tough to get a, a job over there just because of the, the caliber of NHL players and pro players that had, yeah. had, had migrated over there. So um, it was tough. You know, you come back after that summer and you, you kind of think you want to play and you, you don't really know what else to do. Um, so the first, Six to 12 months, it was, yeah, it was certainly challenging in, 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 in admitting that it was over. And I certainly could have gone back and played in the American League um, for another year or two or gone over to Europe. But I, I, I had young kids at that point. My, my son had just been born. 
Um, my daughter was three or four at that point. And uh, it just, I, I needed, I think it was closure. I think I needed time to kind of move on at that point. And I was ready to move on um, and, and start figuring out what I wanted to do uh, when I grow up kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Understood. Uh, yeah. Charlie, I, I, yeah, go I got to I got to ask yeah. you, you mentioned your, your restaurants just before and you mentioned your phone blowing up. Your phone has probably never blown up more in your life than when you get mentioned on Spit and Chicklets, probably the most popular hockey podcast uh, yeah. with a great story. So take us through that story about about what happened and then tell us about like the what what it, how did and you're with San Antonio, by the way, with San Antonio, San Antonio. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So tell us, tell yeah. us what happened and what uh, Matt Murley uh, recounted on this uh, podcast. On, yeah. On yeah. Merle's and I, uh, we were line mates for a lot of that year in, in San Antonio. And, and, and he, he was a guy, he, he's, he's a great storyteller and, and a guy who, who grew up kind of in, in this, in the Pittsburgh organization with, with Crosby. And, right. And, right. and just, he knew a ton of people and, and just, um, we ended up, we, we ended up having a lot of common friends and, uh, and played well together. And, um, so when we, when we got to, to Milwaukee and I don't remember the, the point in the season that, it, that it was, but we we're on a road trip, probably coming up from Chicago and, uh, um, and, and there was, there was, uh, there was curfew in place that night. And, uh, you know, I wasn't too thrilled. I don't remember if we won or lost in Chicago. I was more right. excited to get up to Milwaukee, Milwaukee where you'd played the last two years. Yeah, and, you have a, and you have a good friend. Exactly. See some friends and see one of my best college friends, Brendan Dowd, and some other former teammates and go have a beer. And and uh, the, the coaching staff had, had put in a, uh, a curfew that night. Um, so I, you know, I, I talked to Merle's and uh, and I suggested that, you know, we go have a beer around the corner. And he's, you know, he's telling me, he's like, Derns, it's not going to work tonight. You know, coaches are sitting in the lobby doing this, that, and the other thing. So I said, you know what? I got an idea. I, I threw my, my dress clothes on or my jeans and, and dress shirt on. And, uh, and Greg Ireland and Ray Edwards were sitting down the lobby, kind of just keeping an eye on things. I think at that point, <laughs> so I, I put, I put my, I put my track suit on over top of, uh, over top of my jeans. And uh, I had Brendan Dowd pick me up in, uh, out front of the, out front of the hotel. And, uh, we went and met some former teammates and had a couple beers down at, uh, probably at Gillies, uh, McGillicuddy's uh, at yeah. the time. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, and, uh, and then, yeah. And so Merle's told the story on spit chicklets, which I think there's, there's quite a following at this point in time to say the least yeah, um, podcast. And my phone, uh, my phone started blowing up and I, I hadn't heard the podcast and right. um, was somewhat concerned what the, what, what the story might be, but uh, <laughs> um, you know, it was good. It was, it was a good hearted story. And, uh, um, yeah, certainly I got a lot of did, messages. Uh, did you get that. a message from Greg Ireland? I didn't No, no, no I didn't. <laughs> I, I should send him, I should send him a message, but, uh, um, I mean, he would laugh about it now. We, of course, I bet, I bet he wasn't, wouldn't have laughed about it back then. <laughs> yeah, no, Greg was a, Greg was a tough coach, but he was uh, serious. Huh? Yeah, he was serious. And I, 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 yeah, so go ahead. So you got back in though, like you snuck back in, like nothing ever happened. Well, I don't think I needed to sneak in. I'm sure it wasn't, uh, it wasn't early when I snuck back in. So I probably <laughs> yeah. walked back in the front door at that point, a little nervous, but, uh, yeah, I just, walked right back in and right, uh, you just, but you know, it's like you slow down before a corner, just give a peek, right? hundred percent. hundred percent. And I should give let me give a shout out to Brendan Dowd, uh, a loyal admirals podcast listener and yeah. also a, uh, the, the, 
the coach of my daughter's hockey team last year. Great guy. Uh, love yeah. Brendan. And obviously you're good buddies with him as well. Yeah, of course. Of course. Can't I, I could go, uh, we could have a whole podcast about Brendan, but we'll, we'll save that. For another <laughs> we will do that another day. Uh, Derns, we got to let you go. I know uh, it's great to talk to you. It's great to see you. Uh, glad everything is going well and we wish you uh, continued health and success. Thanks so much for doing this. Thank you guys. It's great chatting, catching up, telling stories and, uh, anytime i appreciate it enjoy enjoy the time with you guys it's fun appreciate it that's former admirals forward chris derno thanks for listening to this milwaukee admirals podcast